Hey guys, this is Danielle and welcome back to the 40 something and interning. This week we have another dietetic intern. Her name is Demetria Cox Thomas. Demetria, please introduce yourself to our audience. Hello. Um, my name is Demetria Thomas. I am 35. I'm a currently a dietetic intern. Um, born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. I currently live here. And I'm excited to be with y'all today. I'm lifelong foodie. I always say food is life. And <laughs> like is, you know, I just this journey to get to where I'm at now is definitely been one of um lots of stories, lots of trials, lots of wins, and just the journey that I'm excited to be on because I'm getting to a goal that I've been working on for a long time and just looking forward to impacting the nutrition field just doing amazing things here yeah no I was excited um when you responded to being on the podcast so first I love Charlotte I always wanted to live in Charlotte my husband was like we're not moving to Charlotte but I really (laughs) really like Charlotte a lot (laughs) um something else that you said like food is life I always look at food as like my love language so Mm -hmm. beyond all the health aspects of things or included in those things also I just have always been a fan of food you could always make me happy with food so I was like yeah I definitely want to talk to her (laughs) yeah but also because you're 35 and you said so many things um already that I feel our audience could benefit from from your story um and your passion for life really as you try to figure out what direction you want to go into so I definitely can't wait to hear all about it so let's get it started then when did you first become interested in nutrition and dietetics so I I have to go back to like I said my love of food because that's where it started um when I was young like you my family my family all were veggie gardeners they all grew food my daddy supported local farmers. And this is all in Charlotte. Like everybody mm-hmm. in this big city. And, you know, it's like all my families have veggie gardens in at the back of their houses in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So I grew, I, like that. I grew up in it. Like I didn't, I, always, I didn't have a store-bought squash until I was like in college and couldn't access the garden. So <laughs> wow, that connected to the garden. My daddy cooked. My mom did not cook. My daddy was the cook of the house. He loved cooking that was his love language. So mm-hmm. I got that from him. So he was the gardener. He cooked. He loved everything food. Uh, we used to go to my grandmother's house on Sundays and watch all the PBS chefs. Mm-hmm. That was Sunday. After church, we were watching chef shows from after church to like five. And so I was just surrounded by food. And so growing up, I also had like a interest in science. I always did well in my math and science classes. And, um, and my sister, I just remember her talking about, you know, you know, eating healthy. And I remember starting hearing it from her, just eating healthy and health things. And, you know, I, it always intrigued my interest. So when I got a little older, I was able to pay attention to like my grandmother and my daddy, they were taking a lot of pills. Mm-hmm. Both of my family had like hypertension and I was starting to hear those types of conversations as a teen. Mm-hmm. And, I hated pills. So I'm like, oh my God, I cannot do this when I get older. So what do I need to do to stay away from having all these pills that I'm seeing that my grandmother was taking? And I remember even having dialogue about weight. 
that young mm-hmm. because my some of my family would joke around and say, oh, you're skinny now because I've always been small. So they'll say, you're skinny now. And when you get older, you're going to get big like us. You're going to gain weight. So you better watch out. So that mm-hmm. listening, those conversations were kind of like wild as young. So I always like had my antennas on to like health and what that means and you know, how that will look for me and what I can do to stay healthy. So I remember in college, I majored, I went to North Carolina Central University. Hey, um, come on, HBCU. Yes. And um, yeah, Eagle Pride. Yes. Um, I, love, <laughs> I love Durham. Um, moved to Durham, went to Central. And I remember being at Central and running to, um, we had to take nutrition classes in um my hospitality program, I was hospitality tourism administration major. So I was taking business classes and I was taking food classes and, and we had to take an intro to nutrition. And I was like, oh my gosh, this makes sense. I loved it. Like it was like, okay, a light went off. I'm like, well, maybe I need to look into this. So I thought about double majoring and mm-hmm. what happened. Um, I ended up um, losing my mom at the last semester when I was doing my hospitality, when I was trying to make that decision. And I just, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do something with my hospitality degree and I'll figure it out. Um, so, you know, that's when I first like was like, okay, nutrition. It was like, it planted the seed. That's what that did, being at Central. It planted the seed of possibly doing this. But, um, you know, I just put it on pause. And so I was like, you know, fine, we'll think about it. Um, and then that started my journey of, Graduating in 2008 with the market crash and not being able to find a job and mm-hmm. had plenty of time to think about my next steps. So I did a few food service jobs and wasn't inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, got into um, retail sales um, t- with tea. I worked at Tivana and I'm a little, I'm a tea addict. So I love loose leaf tea. <laughs> so even with that, there was a health, health always came up at that job and having to sell the tea and the benefits of tea. So left there and ended up at a um, banking job that just wasn't it, but it allowed me to sit and be like, okay, you know, what do I want to do? Because I ended up starting culinary school, thought I wanted to culinary school, thought I wanted to cook for people. Um, and that was a no go. <laughs> and then at some point in that banking space, I also started back with nutrition courses, thinking that I was going to finally get into this and I stopped no mm. so yeah. wait, 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 wait. so you started <clears throat> with like a love of gardening and then you majored in mentality and then you took a bit of a turn to culinary which isn't so distant I can see the connection right and then you started <laughs> nutrition courses yeah I can also see the connection and then you stopped I did I stopped and it was it was more of a life. It was like at that point, I didn't, um, I didn't have any money. So I was with the banking. It was like, we had just bought the house and I just, all my money was going into just life. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Okay. So at that point it was like, okay, I'm gonna just put this on hold and just figure it out. But I'm gonna tell you being at the banking job, what ended up happening was I discovered nonprofit work and I was doing my nonprofit work in gardening and got mm-hmm. to talk about fresh vegetables food access, um, yep. food sovereignty, just, you know, the old term food deserts. But we, you know, I was getting into that work while I was at the bank. And then in the midst of all of that, it started to make sense. 
especially when I talked more about fresh, fresh veggies and what you can do with the fresh veggies that the kids were growing in their gardens. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're growing kale and we're growing tomatoes and just seeing how the kids light lit up when they pick the vegetables. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, it clicked. It was like, oh shoot, you know, the kids will be more interested in their food if they will yep. the background of the food because I was I experienced being in the class and the kids did not know where tomatoes came from we get them yep. from the store that's so funny that you say that um <clears throat> because I'm in the middle of my food service management rotation right now and working the line and talking to like the cook managers and um the, anyone they, it's a shock to me that as I'm watching these kids, you know, go through the line and and select their foods for the day, many of them had no idea what certain vegetables were or what certain fruits were. Mm -hmm. Like, how is that even the case? But that's, I guess, you know, privilege that I have to have been introduced to a variety of fruits and vegetables, fresh, frozen, canned, whatever, you know, like they, uh, there was one story where in high school, the kids were given oranges, but they would look at it because they didn't know how to open the orange because they've never been given a fresh orange. Oh, Everything has, yeah, I was like, what? So yeah, that, I mean, wow. Okay, keep going, I mean to interject. No, no, you're fine. It's, it, but it clicked in that moment, just like you said, when I was hearing the stories, I, I was talking to... Um, children who did not have that experience with the garden like I did when I was little mm-hmm. and like I'm like everybody don't have a, a grapevine in their backyard like my daddy made wine with his with his grapes from the grape yeah. is and that, that was, like the muscadine wine it was muscadine yep mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody's not doing this oh shoot you like you said privilege I had that privilege so when I had the dialogue with the children, I'm like, oh my gosh, it makes sense. You know, we do need to have these dialogues about nutrition in connection with the garden yeah. to um, get kids excited about food because that's the other thing. I've always been excited about food and I meet children. I even meet adults that just don't get excited about food. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, they, love it. you know, eat, try to do the meal plans and do these rigid diets. And it's like, no, no, that ain't it. That You got to love your food first. And we'll figure out the rest and how to. Ooh, what a tip. I love it. I'm, yeah, you got to love your food first because I, I cannot. <laughs> uh, like the idea of forcing myself to do bland anything and not experimenting with spices and all that. Oh my gosh, that's miserable. Mm-mm. Yeah, I get it. I mean, but yeah. I think I've spoken on this before, like talking to uh, family when I worked in WIC and them being given recommendations that basically did not encourage um, using herbs and spices and different seasonings to make their food interesting and taste good. Like it just pushed them away and bringing them closer to the possibilities. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mind blowing. It's wild. Okay. So let's see. So you did your undergrad at North Carolina Central and you definitely traveled a road here. I wrote it all down, like how we went from gardening, hospitality, culinary, nutrition, banking, and back to nutrition. So where was the next step? Like you, you did those things, you started taking prerequisites and um, you were banking and that got you back into the nutrition 
headspace with like grants and nonprofits. Mm-hmm. What happened next? Okay, so with the nonprofit, I got the revelation. So what happened? It, remember, this time I'm not doing my prereqs again. I just kind of started and stopped and ended up with the nonprofit work. So when I realized, okay, I'm committed to this, I um, think it was 2017 when I sat down, I was like, okay, we're doing this. So I went online, researched schools, and um, actually I decided I was thinking about doing the the DTR, the um, mm-hmm. tech route, because when I was looking, I couldn't do a, um in-person program. Because in Charlotte, when I first did my research, the closest programs in North Carolina was Greensboro. So I was like, I have to do online. But then at that time, some online programs weren't permitted to have students from North Carolina because of laws, because of some um, regulations. So my ideas were like I, I had limited choices. So what ended up when I looked into doing the DCR, I went to a local um, community college here, did a tour, talked to the um, talked to the lady that's over the program. She sat me down and said, you already have your bachelor's degree. Why are you doing this? And she was like, look into Winthrop. Look into mm-hmm. Winthrop if you can do the program there and you'll be able to do your DPD courses and get your master's degree. I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> See, yep. <laughs> And that but was thank goodness for your advisor. Yeah. I, man, I, I forever am grateful for her. Um, she didn't even know me. I was coming in to tour her program and she actually steered me to a better option because she saw that was a better fit mm-hmm. instead of pushing me to come where they were. It was a that was great. I was forever grateful for that. So she let me know this is the program looking to it. So I looked into it. I applied, I did not get in. <laughs> Okay, so did did do you know what the reason why was that you didn't get in? Um, GRE score. Okay, GRE was trash. <laughs> I hadn't studied. <laughs> anything. I thought I could um do like I did in college. I was one of the students that like just flew by. Yeah. I just knew it, and I was gonna go in and just rock it. And I thought I had that same energy at thirty, and I did not. <laughs> Agreed, honey. It drops off. It drops off. So I did not do well in the GRE. And also I hadn't built up my, um, even with my past course, I was still missing the classes too. There was a few science classes I did not get to when I started. He was like, okay, work on your GRE, take these classes and then um, come back, you know, try again. So that's what I did. That, that was, like I said, 2017. So I switched gears I studied, went to the study for the GRE, learned how to study for the GRE because that's a special test. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did my prerequisite that actually took two years. Um, one class here, one class there, I was able to pay for it. Yeah. When I went back, she said, I remember you. And she was like, and she accepted me into the program. <laughs> Aw, you see, that's that dedication. Yeah. A lot of times it's not just the numbers or the scores, but I mean, I'm sure that's, that's definitely part of it, but it's also talking to the people who are in charge of programs that you're looking to be a part of and them knowing who you are and them seeing the work that you put in because they know that you're dedicated. Yes. And that actually was a reoccurring theme after that point. Um, 
and I'll touch on it later when we talk about the DI and kind of like my path with that, how that kind of re that networking piece kind of reoccurred quite often. Just people knowing your name, your name showing up in the room before you know who you are. Like, yeah. but but she she accepted me into the program. Um, so I started uh, January 2019. I started my master's program at Winthrop University. Nice. Congratulations. I've been telling so much of my story. I forgot this really key piece that I wanted to share. So I had said earlier that, um, you know, I learned how to cook for my daddy. Uh, he constantly supported local farmers and I enjoyed farm to table foods before it was a trend. Mm -hmm. So having all of that, I forgot to talk about. So when I went to college, the first school I attended, because I actually transferred to Central. But the first college I attended, I actually experienced, first time I experienced food insecurity. So having that experience led to my nonprofit work that was down the line. Um, mm -hmm. But on this particular campus, um, the cafeteria food was very limited. Um, I remember the one thing they had on their menu every day was baked chicken and white rice. And, you know, coming from a space where I had amazing good food from my father and had a diverse amount of food, you know, this was boring. And I was trying to cook in my room, you know, microwave pizzas and just things I did not eat. Like I ate it, but it wasn't this often. And like the nearest food places were, it was a Chinese joint and this pizza place. And the closest grocery store was a Walmart that I had to take a taxi to. And keep in mind, at this particular school, we could not have cars for the first two years. Taxi in, we were trying to take the bus, but imagine taking the bus without the groceries. The taxi was expensive, so we were splitting the taxi five ways, and it was a mess. <laughs> but just having that experience with food insecurity, trying to get access to some decent food, you know, and everybody's like, well, you had a cafeteria, but I'm like, the cafeteria did not have lots of options. You know, soggy vet. That ain't what I'm trying to eat every day, especially trying to tell someone who loves vegetables that this is my only options. Or you have people who don't like vegetables because they think that's their only options. You know, it's hard to push nutrition when that's going on. So I had that perspective of food insecurity from a from being in college. Um, so it was definitely what led my nonprofit work because um, the basis of the gardens on campus was to promote food access. And having that experience um, is the basis of my work today, just realizing, you know, it's not just putting good food in the grocery store and saying, okay, why y'all not eating it? Well, yes. if, if no one knows how to cook it, or if I can't get to the grocery store because I have to take the taxi to get to the grocery store, or if it's um, very expensive, like there's so many things that go into or you know, I had experience where we stayed at a hotel and and we got in town too late. So none of the restaurants was open. So because I'm innovative, you know, I cook and whatnot. We went to the grocery store and I made tacos out of a microwave. There's some people who don't even have access to ovens because they may be staying at hotels and they have to figure out other ways to cook food. So, you know, that's the basis of my work. Just It's bigger than just putting it there. Like you got to make sure people can cook it prepare it, get it. <laughs> so, um, you know, in my work going forward with the garden piece and nutrition is access, 
just food access. Everybody, it's a right. I love that. Oh my God. I cannot leave that out. Well, we definitely need, I need to plug that in somewhere, probably with some special music around it because it needs to be heard. And I don't disagree. Of course, like I grew up in Miami where there's, it's a lot of different cultures. There's a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables around. When I got to Orangeburg, South Carolina, and I went into the calf, like for breakfast, because I'm a break, I love breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, I'm going to get some eggs and some yogurt and some this and some that. And I got in there. No lie. I, I'm, I know it's changed by now. But when I was there, right. every day there was like bacon and sausage and, you know, just it's cool sometimes. But for me, it wasn't cool every day. The mm. other part of it was the portion sizes that they would give of this food. And so I was like, oh, I'm used to growing up in a house where it's just, oh, just give me a couple of pieces of bacon. Again, privilege, I guess, because other mm-hmm. people are just like, no, give me all of it because I don't know when the next time I'm going to have a hot meal, right? Mm-hmm. But you were giving me these like handfuls, basically, of bacon and I'm eating like two pieces. I'm like, who else is eating all this meat? This is crazy. But it was mm-hmm. every day. And so... It was almost like a contradiction at this time. And I'm pretty sure this happens at a number of schools. It's I'm in school for nutrition and dietetics. Like I'm talking about nutrients and balance and, you know, uh, uh, saturated fat and, and all of those things every day. And then I come to the calf and this is what I have. This is my options. That is all. What an experience. <laughs> All right, Demetria. So you are 35. You are getting ready to complete your DPD program and your master's program. What's next? All right. So we're starting this new journey. And I've, I forgot to say earlier that I'm doing all this while being a wife and a mom. So I have these other oh, um, so. other um, life, <laughs> family and, you know, obligations absolutely that's a big piece I don't think we talk about that enough especially for us trying to figure out what's next for us those things definitely come into play yes because what um the biggest piece the other thing with me stopping part of me stopping you know was my personal choice but also was like I said financial or me and my husband having to adjust because of whatever was going on at the moment so it wasn't just simply just me stopping because I was tired. It was just, you know, like I said, life, life was going on and we just had to adjust together and, you know, being a mom like that was more pressing at that time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but I was supported when I decided to come back, you know, my husband came in and was like, okay, well, what we need to do. <laughs> and yeah. he helped me figure it out. We both figured it out and I was able to go forward with this, with the support of my family. Let's go. See, let me praise hubby for a second because <laughs> I know what that's like. It throws a wrench in whatever normalcy you already created for yourself. And yes. I'm in the middle of that struggle right now. Like the, we've definitely had to tighten the reins a little bit on what life looks like while I'm completing this, but he sees my vision and that potential of loving what I do and what it can create for our family so I'm giving a round of applause to your hubby and your daughter actually 
Yes, thank you. I can't like I can't take all. <laughs> like I'm doing the work, but you know, when you're doing the work, you need support. Absolutely. That's... I mean, some people would look at it as a hurdle, not quite an anthill, but <laughs> yeah, I think people need to hear that. And hopefully schools hear that. Right. Cause to me, that should have been a whole course on just diecast. It's <laughs> just what that entails. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and give a shout out to Diversify Dietetics. If it wasn't for them. If I'm trying to tell you, their uh, uh, their DAS program, their um, mm-hmm. program that supports the diet mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, if it wasn't for them, I just can't. I'll be honest. I just don't know how I would have one matched <laughs> to mm-hmm. any, but definitely just having that support of the mentor and just the workshops, the writing workshops, because the whole personal statement piece. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say I'm used to business writing. And like I said, I was in banking. So I did the shorthand. I wasn't doing long. Um, narratives. Like narratives. And also in school, we were doing research. So that was a whole nother set of writing skills. But this personal statement required a different set in storytelling. And I didn't mm-hmm. know. I didn't know that it was, you know, broken down how it looks like. And like I said, I'm just going to give them a shout out because without their help, I don't think I would have matched. Listen, it was diversified uh, dietetics that I just happened to see one day scanning on Instagram that like I just started following. I didn't I wasn't sure like if this is something that I was going to be able to do or not. But constantly they stayed at like top of mind. I did join their mentorship program. I was a mentee. Another shout out to Dustin, my amazing mentor <laughs> that I got connected with from um, Diversified Dietetics. I think I'll finally get the opportunity to meet him this year, but he played a major role in my application process. And like you said, that personal statement, um, just having additional eyes from a registered dietitian to know what it is that they would want or what they're looking for and things that I should be including um, diversified dietetics is priceless. Priceless. <laughs> yeah. Like I, okay. I can't even um like I, said, I can't even express the to the grandness that I would like to how that that was a game changer. Just yes, that. It is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now that Diecast was a surprise <laughs> and you used the resources that diversified dietetics um offered. What was your game plan or thought process behind how many DIs you would apply to? Like, were you thinking traditional, close to home? Were you thinking distance to give you flexibility? What did you go with? So with diecast, I will also say um, I actually started when I first heard about it. I think I was in, it was late 2019. So when I found out I was going to have another year left in the program, because originally I was supposed to be done in a year taking two and a half. But when I first heard about it at the end of that first year, I got on it um, as far as like programs, what programs were open to me. So I actually went to um, the last in-person Fency. Okay. And they had a session talking about non-traditional, the rise of the non-traditional and the changes in the internships Mm -hmm. that weren't available before. And that's when I actually found the the internship that I'm in now. I found out about them through this session. And so I started kind of early. So my process was 
I needed something that was going to be part-time. I needed flexibility. Okay. Um, those were non-negotiables because what I was not about to do and, you know, and I mentioned to you, you know, the side conversation about the burnout, I yes. was not about to, like, they were telling me, oh, you got to do full-time 40 hours plus 10 more hours for assignments and I got to find time to work and be a mom and wife. I was like, oh, y'all is, mm-mm. <laughs> Y'all tripping. So listen, the burnout is super duper real. I just had a little mini meltdown this week that had people in here checking up on me. <laughs> and I was just like, what is going on? I can't be the only person. Maybe I'm the only person feeling this way. This is a lot. It is a lot. And going into it, I knew, like I said, I need a non-negotiables and I need a boundaries. So full-time wasn't an option because I needed. And the fact that there was a time, like one of my preceptors says, just 10 years ago, there were no options for like part-time <laughs> or um, distance internships. So she yeah. was just that I was able to find that. But then that speaks to a bigger issue of access when we do talk mm-hmm. raising diversity in the profession is things like that. Like you're losing out talent just because I can't do part-time hours. Like that's crazy. So yeah. I'm thankful that I was able to find mine and get those two criteria met because like I said, that would have limited me to becoming an RD just because I wasn't push myself into the ground, you know, trying to get this goal, but have everything else fall apart to get. Yeah. You know, everybody's not able to do it. I actually left my role like a a project manager a director role to come back and do this now did I think I was going to be able to do this years ago absolutely not because who can let go of a full-time job with benefits and Mm -hmm. you got a kid and you got a husband like I, I don't know how you're supposed to be able to do it and what you said is true because things have to evolve there was a time when master's programs were not even available online like you had to go you had to be there in person and you've seen how that's transitioned over the years these fields have to do the Mm -hmm. same so I'm glad you were able to find everything that checked all the boxes for you so what DI did you end up matching with so I ended up matching with garden to table um distance internship um is based out of Washington State and the focus is on food production in relation to nutrition. So we do a lot of um, gardening talk. We talk about fermenting. Uh, we do projects, virtual projects. Like I've um, made my own wine. Um, mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yes. So I did that. That was one of our projects. I've also, um, I'm also plant-based. So I like to say that I'm vegetarian or plant-based. So I've done um, a lot of my projects. I always find the alternative do it you know if it involves eggs or something i'll find alternative that don't involve eggs or milk because we did a um creme fresh we did our creme fresh um and i used vegan yogurt to make it so but projects like that so it was really cool um and actually i was going to let you know my second choice was the internship you're currently in yeah 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 um, because of the same reason they had part-time and it had a business focus. And because my first degree degree was business along mm-hmm. with I still have that interest with business. So if I didn't get the guard to table, I would have been in uh, KDDI um, for that reason. 
Okay. Oh, I'm here. Yeah, but yeah, so my uh, guarding the table when they did have part time and um, they've been very flexible. I did have to find all my preceptors. I did have to do that. Um, mm-hmm. when, and during COVID, how'd that go? Ooh, Jesus, now that. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, I want to stress this even at, uh, later on in the conversation. I started early and that's what saved me because like so I'm talking to other interns to be now and they're coming up and they haven't done a lot of networking mm-hmm. and I gotta be honest me starting early is what helped me secure some of these because I was able to tap back into my network to let them know you know do you know anybody or mm-hmm. you know do you have an option like I reached out um garden I don't know if you're dietitians in the garden have you ever heard of that group okay dietitians in the garden they're amazing um started by um a couple of friends of mine um, Amory and Melody. So when I was in school, I needed to do a, um, it wasn't an internship. It was a, um, a hundred hour. It was a hundred hour, um, experience class. I forgot what they called it, but mm-hmm. I reached Amory and she had never done it before, but she said, I would love to do it to help you out. Like just things like that. I was able to reach out to her and she helped me. I was able to reach out to people I was meeting at the, um, meetings, mm-hmm. At the academy meetings, um, I reached I reached out to the dietitian at my job because I I'm a gardener at um a senior center. Mm-hmm. And they got an RD, and I connected with her when I started working there. That making connections and telling people what it is that you're interested in, I just think it's important. A lot of people hold things close to the the chest. Um, for a number of reasons, maybe they just don't want to share what their plans might be. Maybe they're insecure about sharing those things, but the truth is there's so many people out here that want to help you and that have connections to people that you need or Mm -hmm. can drop your name in rooms that you've never walked into. Listen, Mm -hmm. you better talk. (laughs) It is powerful. I was very vocal about, you know, and then it wasn't one-sided. It was always like the dietitian at my job. I went to her. I'm like, you know, how can I support you? You're helping me. How can I support you? And she let me like help her do some research and do presentations to the seniors. And that was my volunteer work for my diecast uh, app. See, and it's give and take. What you just said is gold. How can I help you? How can I assist you? Because these um, preceptors out here, are working really hard and so many people are short staffed right now. So they're mm-hmm. still handling their normal day-to-day responsibilities with less hands and they're taking you on. That's what they want to hear. So yeah, I think there's a lot of preceptors or potential preceptors that will say no if they feel like it's just another task on their mm-hmm. day-to-day. But if you're trying to come in, they are able to help you, but then you're also able to assist them in this time when things are very challenging, that's a win-win. Win-win. And and like I said, you'd be just surprised at how many people want to help you, especially if you're saying, you know, I'm I'm trying to help you. I'm, you know, I'm trying to support you. Like you will be amazed at how many people will receive that with open arms. <laughs> yes. And speak passionately about it. Don't be ashamed. I, I think that's what helped me a number of times like it wasn't just okay I think I want to be a dietitian no this was my experience this is where I think things could look different and this is what I want to do but this is how I this is what needs to happen for me to be able to do that people are like heck yeah 
sign me up. <laughs> like, I want to be a part of this process. Yeah, you, you might want to attach your name to me. I'm going to shake some stuff up. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, what, what does your roadmap look like in your internship? Like, what um, rotations do you have? So um, right now I'm finishing up my clinical and, and my clinical preceptor ended up being the dietitian at my job. I volunteered for her before and she said, okay, let's, you know, when I told her I got accepted, she was biggest cheerleader. She was so excited and she agreed to be my clinical when I couldn't anybody else because the problem was with the pandemic, the clinical one was the most difficult. Um, Once again, I'm going to just touch on access again. So I'm in Charlotte. We have two really large hospitals and I could not work with neither hospitals because they have affiliation agreements that yep. are to five big, like uh, like people from Appalachian State, people from Greensboro can come do their internship in Charlotte. And I'm right here in Charlotte and I can't even work with y'all. So it was, that was wild. So being and I feel sh- like that's something else that needs to change. I, I don't, uh, a headache that I've always had was okay. So you have diecast, right? You got all of these students and you offer these different internships. Yes, traditional internships have affiliation agreements. You know, it's already connected. But if you're allowed all these distance internships, where do you expect these students to go? Exactly. If, if you're saying like, I can't do it. There needs to be not loosening, but a little bit more flexibility and maybe a little bit more creativity on how to make this process easier if you want to expand this field. But go ahead. <laughs> yes, exactly. What everything you just said, like it was wild how I reached out. I was going through my network and just um, it was just a lot of no's because, you know, I'm connected with this school. And I'm like, man, I can't even just sit in and do a week, like even, you know, get a like my lady that agreed to it, she feels bad because she can't give me the experience she thinks I deserve in the clinical. And I'm like, you know, I felt like the other dietitians, like you could have just let me sit in on a tube feeding. Let me observe right. it. Something like, you know, like you said, creativity on how we can work together to kind of like, you know, this is my preceptor, but maybe I can sit in on some of the things that are happening in other facilities just so I can get a well-rounded experience but yeah and I you know I feel like maybe I'm not knocking clinical at all I know you need that like foundationally you need to have that experience but for some people they don't want to go into clinical work so maybe the the extent that some students do or some interns do they need it for others maybe Like you said, it's just a shadowing experience or an opportunity to ask questions and get answers. You know, maybe that's not the experience that they need. And it's not the one I wanted. I'm just, yeah, that's not my, clinical was never my jam, I guess. (laughs) It was like not what I wanted to get into, so. Yeah, fair. Okay, so you, your, um, your preceptor for clinical was someone that you knew previously. What did your other rotations look like? So my um, community one is actually, a. Um, I'm doing it with two people, two different organizations that are actually working on the same project. So that one kind of happened divinely, <laughs> I must say. Um, the preceptor at one organization was actually my classmate 
who graduated, um, I think the semester before me mm-hmm. and had a really good job in the community space. And when I reached out to her, she was like, I would love to do that for you. Um, Cause my community did not have to be RD. She just, she's, um, she hasn't done her process with the internship, but she has this role that I was able to, she was able to be my preceptor. So I'm doing That's the project. Wonderful. So, like I said, classmates, lean on them because you don't know at what point y'all may need each other. Like, so that was amazing that she was able to do that for me. And my other preceptor um, is part of the, um, it's called the North Carolina Extension Service. Mm -hmm. And that's just a program that deals with food programs, um, different food programs here. Um, It's ran by North Carolina State. They're like the head of it. And, um, so she's with, I'm with her, but she's a connection from my nonprofit days because I did mm-hmm. um, her to be a food volunteer. So just circling back to her and she's like, I can help. So I'm doing a project with them that's bringing a program called Color Me Healthy to a preschool. So I'll be working with the preschoolers and doing the program and starting their garden. So that's my rotation there. So that's community. Um, food service. I have to find a new one. My lady, <laughs> a medical emergency that um, people who are looking for their own rotations always have a backup and be flexible because um, your preceptors are, li- you know, they're going through life too. Yep. Um, so she had a situation come up and she just wasn't available. And I, you know, reached out and checked on her, make sure she was fine. And, you know, I didn't want to just act like, oh my gosh, I'm my feelings hurt, you're ruined, but bro, no, that's not it. I really care the lady, like I said, she said, yes, yeah, she was excited. Something happened. So we keep in touch and she's going to help me with finding a new one. But that was kind of on hold. I'm looking for somebody else. And my elective is solely with my school, the school I graduated from, because they're starting a garden program. And they oh, want me. look to- at that. So I'm going to be with um, my school um, that I graduated from to help them with that for my elective rotation. That's what's up. Okay, so tell me this. So when did your internship begin and when is it slated to end? So it started last August. Yeah, last August. I'm going to be done the end of this year um, because of my hours. They've ranged between like clinical. I was only able to do 16 hours a week because (laughs) my preceptor only work at that site 16 hours a week. Got it. So, um, so I had a lot of time to do some projects that, you know, recover from burnout, like I had mentioned. And so it's going to be a little longer for me and I'm okay with that because right now I'm not trying to finish the fastest. I'm trying to get through it sanely. Mm, yes. Yes. <laughs> and with the experiences that will benefit you in the future, I'm here mm-hmm. for that. Nice. Okay. So, so far in your experience. What has been the most challenging portion and what has been um, what surprised you the most? The most challenging was the burnout. Like I've, I've gone through bouts of just first semester. I hadn't been in school in over 10 years. Mm. And literally two days after I finished my first semester, my dad passed. Oh, so, honey, I'm so sorry. That's a lot. It was a lot. So I literally started my first semester getting my butt kicked because I haven't been in school trying to get acclimated. That happened. So I'm managing his estate and trying to finish my master's program. This was in 2019. Everybody know the pandemic happened March Mm -hmm. 20. 
I literally went from grieving <laughs> family to grieving my former life because I'm trying to adjust to the pandemic. So that was my whole master's program. Doing diecast, I found myself um, a lot of times just suppressing and just still moving on fumes. Yeah. So diecast, I, I got matched. I couldn't get excited. I literally graduated and I was like, I just want rest. I remember thinking like, I don't want to do nothing grand. I want rest. And I've been trying to um, navigate because I didn't really get it. Because then I had to catch up at work, the stuff that got put behind because I was doing diecast and getting ready for the internship. So I catched up from work from graduating in May last year to August. And in August, I started my internship. Mm. So having those 16 hours a week has allowed me to recharge. So I'm coming out on the other side of it and, you know, just trying to rediscover my interests because that's changed because of the pandemic, the things that I used to enjoy is changing kind of work I want to do. A lot of that has changed and I'm just in the process of kind of rediscovering that. But mm -hmm. what left was my love for nutrition, love for food. It's still there, but I just kind of shifted. And, um, mm -hmm. but just coming out of that and just learning more about myself and navigating that, um, I'm thankful for support. That's all mm -hmm. I'm just thankful. Yeah, no, I'm, Ooh. You've, you've had some experiences. This is quite a story. And you're still <laughs> moving forward. But you know, it feels very full circle because, yes, you lost uh, your father in physical form, but you're still doing everything that he taught you. You know, you're exploring it and you're bringing it back around. So to me, like, it makes me tearful. It's so sweet. I know. I know. It's, um, I try to connect with that when I have my moments. That, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I have, I'm, I'm in the house I grew up in. So we moved into the house. Mm -hmm. I have a garden, the garden that I used to help him with when I was little. I'm, I, it's mine now. And so looking forward to getting my hands in that and bringing the garden back to life and honoring him in my work. You know, I have to connect with that. It kind of gets me through. And Oh, listen, I'm writing down all of my quotes. <laughs> from everything that you're saying I'm over here like oh my god yes yes all of that okay so what is your plan after the completion of your DI that's still coming together um I'm trying to say God in the universe is going to work that out for me because <laughs> I'm not sure yet I um like I was saying earlier is still because I'm coming out for you know coming out from pandemic and just that whole bit mm -hmm. figure out how I want to tie this together like all I know right now is I want to do the gardening I want to help people fall in love with their food um through nutrition but how that's going to look like it just hasn't uh, revealed itself to me yet I just say keep going because as I listen to you talk I think about some of the um, grant proposals that I've seen in my former work, lots of um, CDC grant proposals and opportunities and other local nonprofits would love the skills that you have because of what continues to come back, you know, down the pike because people are paying more attention to health and communities are paying more attention mm -hmm. to health. I think 
people are concerned about what's in their food, right. the access that they have to good and healthy food and local food, I think all of your skills will definitely have you, the opportunity that you have or the opportunity that you will create because of other people's um, want for the skills that you have. Yeah, I, I see it for you. I, I can't put my finger on what it is, but I know it's going to be amazing. Oh my God, thank you. I, I need to hear that sometimes because there's some days I'm just like, what am I doing? And even like talking to you and telling my story, like there's been days I'm like, I don't feel like I have a story. Like I listen to everybody what? else's story. I do. I'm trying to tell you, Danielle. It's like I have to, I have to like sit with myself and, you know, kind of be like, okay, no, I have a story. I have a voice. And I need to use it. So that's when I reached out to you. That's I had to do that. Cause at first I was like, you know, gosh, all your, you know, you have a great story. I love your story. That's how I found your podcast. And I'm like, do I have a story to tell? And everybody's like, yes, girl, stop playing. <laughs> you absolutely have a story. Oh my God. I can't, oh, I'm trying to think of, and we were talking about this before um, we started recording, but I'm just like, you're not the only one with this story, but it's your story. And mm -hmm. so many people will be able to connect with it. I'm just trying to figure out how best to reach the people that need to hear it so we can continue to diversify this field. You're not the only one. You're not alone. Like, I'm not alone. And I knew that. I think that maybe opening it up and sharing the story will make other people feel more confident and know that they can do it too, you know? <laughs> and some, you know, everything is not going to be perfect. Sometimes the edges are going to be a little frayed, but guess what? That's what our patients' stories will look like as well. That's what their life will look like as well. And you being able to extend, you know, your hand to them like, no, nah, we can make this what you want it to be. This is what I did. I know you can do it too. Like, let's go. It's that inspiration and that push and that <laughs> that um, relatability is what it is at the end of the day. And a lot of people, and that's the word, it. sis. That is a word. <laughs> that is a word. Okay. So, but how do you want to shake up nutrition and dietetics? Oh, man. I just envision me showing up authentic, like like with my locks, with my bright colors, like I love bright colors. So y'all want to get this in y'all life today. Um, <laughs> I want to show up very authentically, like, and loving, loving. I just, um, people don't give themselves grace. So I want to show up helping people with their, you know, their food journeys and helping them give themselves grace on how that's going to look like, how they're going to figure it out. Um, I just, my biggest thing is I want people to love food the way I love food because I just see on Instagram when I search, like just how struggling it is for some people to connect with their food in a way that's not stressful. And this is something we do daily. Like this is, you can't not eat. <laughs> this is part of your body's nourishment. And this should be one of the most peaceful and rewarding things that you do for your body is a self-care practice connecting with your food, enjoying your food. So I just want to shake up the industry in a way that's like, gosh, like connect with your food and just rest is all right and you need to take it. So all these capitalist systems is burning us out. We ain't got time for that. We need rest so we can actually do our jobs 
to the best of our abilities. So I'm very pro rest. I um naps are life too. Like food is my I, I love a nap. <laughs> um, <laughs> my way of recharging. Uh, and I've been able to structure my schedule to most days I can get a moment, you know, where there's not a nap, but I can get a moment to connect through music or silence because I'll sit in silence sometimes and just kind of meditate. But resting and staying connected with yourself and having hobbies that you don't have to make money from. Like just do stuff for fun. <laughs> huh. um, What's that? Because <laughs> we ain't got to make money off everything. Sometimes if I just want to take a dance class just to release some stress, do it. Resting and just having outlets. Everything doesn't have to be capitalism. But yes. And number three, because you did say three, just being open to connecting with people. Um, when I first started, when I first started this journey, I knew I wanted to put myself in circles of people who are either side by side with me. We're going through the journey together. And I also want to connect with people who are where I want to be. And I just went on Instagram and just started searching registered dietitians. And when we would go to like the academy meetings, I would, um, the people who were leading like the sessions, I would go find them on LinkedIn and connect with them and say, hey, tell them who I am. Um, don't be afraid to just put yourself out there. Like, this is who I am. This is what I want to be. I want to learn more about you. Don't make it about yourself. Because <laughs> I love other um, dietitians, like podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts. Um, like I said, when I found yours, I'm like, oh my gosh, your story's amazing. So I connected with you and followed your journey on Instagram. Um, but just things like that, like, you know, being available to just be, to help. Like if you see one of your fellow dietitians have a project, share it. Like it's just that simple. Share it, you know, comment, recommend. Like it's other ways to help that don't involve having always buy or spend money. Like just being present, encouraging. You know, I have a dietitian friend, like if they have something amazing going on in their life, you know, congratulations, just support. It goes a long way. So it's different. Mm, it really does. Like it's, it's just different ways to network. Networking is not just getting in someone's face and try to get something for them. It's like establishing connections. I, I, I've benefited from that so many ways. Because um, I know we didn't get to talk about it, but, you know, with Diversified Dietetics, just me staying connected to them actually got my DI paid for. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm thinking and I've been thinking, like I know I typically bring on like just students and interns for them to talk about their experience, but I feel like there's resources out there that I could even just make a complete episode on and bring people in that have utilized those, those resources to get farther along something mm -hmm. else that you said. So I, I'm really thinking hard about that. And I think it would be a benefit to a lot of people. But something you also said, like, I'm not always expecting something in return. I also listen to it's not so uh, common right now. But the um, my taught you podcast, I don't know if you listen to that with my leak teal. Oh, mm -hmm. I love her. Oh, okay, look it up. She's fab. But there was one episode that I was listening to of hers. And she's She's a multimillionaire over and over from this business curl box that she um, decided to launch. Very successful. 
but so much so that she started to meet people and everybody wanted to pick her brain. Oh, let's have coffee. I want to pick your brain, pick your Somebody with that level of success may not want to sit down with you like a half hour for you to purchase a cup of coffee, give you tips, right? Right. But like you said, if you can extend yourself in support and they become familiar with you and you have conversations along the way and they see that you're constantly showing up for them, they will show up for you as well. So it shouldn't always be like always having my hand out. Let me talk to them to see what they could do for me. What can you do for them as well? So networking looks very different than what a lot of people think it looks like, I think. Okay, so we have gone through all my questions. My final question for you is, is there anything that I haven't asked you or anything that you have not been able to highlight in our interview today that you want to share with the 40-something and interning audience? Now's your time. Let's see. I guess one thing I want to just highlight, especially with this show being a part of um, your Black History Month series, I want everybody listening to your podcast to take a moment out this month and hopefully every month because this is every day, all day for me. Highlight, um, I want you to research Black farmers, Black food, Black culinary, Black nutrition specialists, and just take a look at their work see how much impact we have had in these fields. Just highlight like the work that's being done, um, you know, with Black people in the space, um, you know, or even BIPOC, including all BIPOC, but just highlighting our work, like, because it's amazing how many, when I was looking for Black dietitians, mm. it's so many out there, and I just wouldn't have known if I hadn't searched. Yeah. So I would love just all your listeners to take the time and just learn more about because I just finished the book on um, the cooking gene by uh, Michael Tweedy and he talked about how the food that a lot of people think soul food and how it's killing us and all this our cuisine is bigger than that and that's something that needs to be known um it's all tied into nutrition just all the spices the cooking methods like I know I went kind of on a tangent, but just black celebrating black farmers, black food, black nutrition, black everything, just knowing our impact in this space. Yeah, no, um, <clears throat> I'd never heard of that book. So I just wrote it down for myself so I can read it because I'm always looking for more information to consume. But in, and so, no, you didn't go off on a tangent. You had every right to state it. What I'll add to it is you were able to find me because you went researching. And I never say this, but what I'm going to start asking is for people to rate and review the podcast. And that will also um, expand its reach because people will be like, oh, this is, you know, this is a black RD to be or a black registered dietitian in training. And I could do that too. Or I can hear about these experiences too. Like that needs to be extended as well. So I will say, rate and review on Apple or any other places that you're able to do that so that the word can be spread and it will make it easier for us to bring light to the work that's being done and to diversify the field. Yes, I love it. Going back to supporting, that's how we support each other. Like it's a simple ask, rating the podcast. That's maybe five minutes of your day. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'd appreciate it. Let's see what happens because I'm still not sure what this is going to evolve into. 
but I know that it's going to evolve into something amazing. And that's why I continue to do it. It really is a labor of love. So thank you for coming on. I mean, Demetria, you dropped nuggets all <laughs> up and through this episode. And I'm always so proud to have a fellow HBCU graduate on talking about her experience, sis. I'm proud of you. Thank you so much, Danielle. No problem. So last but not least, how can our listeners follow you or get in touch with you? How do we get in touch with you on social media? All right. So right now I'm more active on Instagram at DEE Veggie Chef. Um, just a compilation of my food adventures, my gardening, just all about me um, at the moment while I'm going through the internship. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I like connecting on LinkedIn at Demetria Cox Thomas. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on, Demetria. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I can see myself having you back on here to talk more about gardening because I don't know a whole lot about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So we'll see you next week. Oh, my God.